Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. Immense in mercy and with an incredible love, God embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good, good, good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. <laughs> so last week, we began to answer the question, what could life be if we believed? Believed that all the adversaries of our souls, all the adversaries of our souls within and without, have been destroyed by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. What if we believe that we're not alone, not meant to just figure life out, not left to wander through our days, but shown, taught, and guided into God's profound design and destiny with Jesus, alive again and forever? What if we believe that? We said our after Easter life starts where all life started and restarts, in a Sabbath, resting with God in His finished work. That if we believe, this is where life actually begins. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. Sounds a lot like Ephesians 2, right? And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God did all the making. God does all the saving. From a place of peace, of God's finished work, from the very good of what God had previously done, where striving has ceased comes our call to worship, our call to work, to join in what God does, to participate in life with God, to, as Paul said, let's say later in Ephesians, to get on with the work that God has already planned for us. In Genesis 2, we see both the beginning of the end, the first Sabbath, the seventh day, the end is here, but the end, the end of the seven days, the end of creation is resting with God. We also see something moving into what life looks like now. It says in Genesis chapter 2, when no bush of the open country was yet in the earth, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God formed the man of dust and from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed to work it and to keep it. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper corresponding to him, somebody who could join him in his work. So the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and fashioned a woman and brought her to the man. What we see in our beginning of beginnings is after God works, we rest with him, a Sabbath, a seventh day. But we don't just rest with him. We rest with him before we work with him. Again, did you notice in the, in the beginning when there was still work to be done? Creation had happened. Creation was good. It was very good. 
But there was around the garden, there was chaos, but in the garden, God established man to do something with what God had created, to keep the good and the very good continuing to go. As it was in Genesis, so it is again in Jesus. And if you don't believe me, maybe as somebody who's a little smarter, you might. The scholar and priest N.T. Wright says it this way. Let us then remind ourselves of the starting point, the created order, which God has begun to redeem in the resurrection of Jesus. The created order, which started over again in Jesus, is a world in which heaven and earth are designed not to be separated, but to come together. In that coming together, the very good that God spoke over creation at the beginning will be enhanced, not abolished, taken up into God's larger purposes, no doubt, but certainly not abandoned. It's re-entering this incredibly profound God design, this whole and holy rhythm of Sabbathing into work, working into Sabbath, that gives form and power to our after Easter living. A whole and holy rhythm allows us to, as we said last week, to live wisely, to live courageously, to live competently, and to live with peace, the same peace that Jesus spoke to us, to live in the peace of God's house, life with Him, and within the purpose of peacemaking, a.k.a. flourishing. Imagine that. Imagine being able to discern what was temporal versus what was eternal in your daily routines, dialogues, and disagreements. Imagine if you could enter each day knowing what was of value forever and what was something that we needed to only slip away. Imagine being free from the bondage of fear in your relationships and responsibilities. Imagine being confident you're crafted and commissioned to handle your circumstances and career. Imagine knowing you are perfectly planted in God's kingdom. Come and His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Imagine that. That's the after Easter life we're invited to experience as we live in rhythm with God's making and God's saving. His creating and His recreating rhythm. A rhythm whole and holy from Sabbath into work into Sabbath and back to work again. God's work leads us into restful, secure, non-anxious, peaceful worship. I think we all agree with that, right? We all, that's why we come on Sundays. That's why we have organized uh, a day of worship in our lives. But from there, from work, resting with God in God's finished work, we're also led into worshipful, confident, non-anxious, peacemaking work, into the good He has gotten ready for us to do, as Paul said in Ephesians 2. Sabbath resting with God leads us into the primary place of our worship, which is working with God. The primary place of our worship is working with God. If that's true, work then is primarily not a thing done to live, not a thing that we do to get us from Sunday to Sunday, from Sabbath to Sabbath, but rather a thing one lives to do. Not primarily a thing done to live, but a thing one lives to do. The influential author and thinker Dorothy Sayers says it this way, Work should be looked upon, not as a necessary drudgery to be undergone for the purpose of making money, which who feels that way? Anybody feel that way? Okay, just, just to be honest, like most of us feel that way, right? But work should be looked upon as a way of life, a way of life in which the nature of humanity should find its proper exercise and delight and so fulfill itself to the glory of God. Work should be the place in which we find ourselves 
becoming whole. That work should, in fact, as Dorothy Sayers continues, be thought of as a creative activity undertaking for the love of the work itself. That humanity, made in God's image, should make things as God makes them for the sake of doing well a thing that is well worth doing. For a person's work is the measure of a person's life. And a person's satisfaction is found in the fulfillment of the person's own nature. A person's work is the measure of a person's life. If work really is the thing that we're made to do, the thing in which a way of life in which we get to exercise our proper formation, craftsmanship, our delight, and so fulfill ourselves to the glory of God, then work is actually a healthy measure of living and a place of satisfaction that we can find that our nature, our wholeness is being satisfied. Sayers is merely nuancing what the Apostle Paul said to the faith family of Colossia. Colossae, sorry, not Colossia. <laughs> After urging them to live into their new selves, Paul says, practice resurrection by keeping their attention and affection set upon Jesus, by letting the peace of Christ rule in their hearts and the word of Christ dwell in them richly. After giving this, this kind of base Sabbath worship kind of exhortation, Paul says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for humanity. Work heartily as for the Lord, not just for the sake of, of, of pleasing others, and not honestly even just for the sake of others but first and foremost for the sake of God. Knowing that for the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Do you remember from Ezekiel last week the inheritance of those who see life after God's finished work? In case you don't, this is what Ezekiel said. This shall be their inheritance. I will be their inheritance, says God. I am their possession. Paul is saying if you want to get in on life with God, if you, your life really wants to be a godly life, then get to work. Not working to create something, but working with God and cultivating good and very good from the very places God has placed you. Our work, says Pastor Tom Nelson, whatever it is, whether we are paid for it or not, is our specific human contribution to God's ongoing creation and to the common good. Work is not just what you get paid for. Sometimes we get paid for work, and some of our work we get paid for, and some of it we don't. Work is much bigger than whatever we get a paycheck for or whatever we limit to a nine-to-five. Work is, as our Sabbath psalm's saying, that thing for which God has exalted my strength like that of a wild ox, has poured fresh oil over us, anointed us for. That's what our work is. When we think of work, when we think of taking what God has given us and where God has placed us and using that with Him to create something that glorifies Him, to be a part of God's working, to make things good and very good, that's what work is. Contrary to our technological aspirations to lift us beyond the daily dirt of effort, divergent to our cultural emphasis or social societal pressures to liberate us from our labor, Work is an integral aspect of being human, not a curse to be broken or an ill to cure or an obstacle to overcome or even an unfortunate necessity to get through.
Instead, work is an essential aspect of loving God in His created world and a vital part of loving our neighbors as ourselves. Martin Luther once said, God does not need our good works, but our neighbors do. Our daily, ordinary work, whatever it is, whether it is our livelihood, our duty, our pleasure, or some combination, is the joyful privilege of contributing to the work that God started, the good and very good work which continu- He continues to do, and which He has crafted you and I to participate with Him. In other words, our daily, ordinary work with God is our means of being whole. To not work, then, to not see the roles and responsibilities in your daily living as good work, work with God, is to live a diminished life. Not an elevated life, not a privileged life, but a diminished life. The chief end of humanity is not, not to work, but to flourish where we are planted. We're planted in the house of the Lord. We flourish in the courts of the Lord. We bear fruit in old age, even um, staying green and full of sap in every season. But we do so not in some sort of anticipation. The psalmist that we, the psalm that we looked at last week, Psalm 92, the Sabbath psalm, is not some sort of anticipation of a future day in which like, we're removed from the things of the earth. But as Wright noted in the psalmist of, for today sings, that we're to see this flourishing in the land of the living. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be with you. The psalmist sings, Oh, had I not believed, I should have looked upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What would have happened if I didn't believe that? Then everything I sing about, all the things I longed for, I would have missed out on. And the way in which we get to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living is by finding our work as our proper exercise and delight and so fulfilling ourselves to the glory of the Lord. Listen, I'm often guilty of thinking of work as something that starts with me. I don't know about you, but I tend to, to be pretty self-centered on most things, but work included. I do what I, I do, whether directly or indirectly, because of the choices I've made in my life, because of my preferences or because of circumstances. I have, to some degree or another, another, willingly taken on the roles and responsibilities and relationships that will fill my waking hours. And to a certain extent, and certainly with consequences, I can choose today to not work or to work. I can choose to work well or to just work enough. I suppose it's true that that I do have some freedom in work. And I believe it's also true that God gives and desires us to work freely. However, like Sabbath, like ceasing striving, working, like resting, is something God started. God-shaped, God-fashioned. Look again at Paul's words to the faith family in Ephesus that Louis read for us. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are crafted to participate in something good. We're made to participate in something good. We are fashioned to contribute and expected by God to do so. Every one of us. Every one of us, regardless of where we come from, what we do, what we are able to do, what we get paid for, what we don't get paid for. Perhaps, though, you hear good works and think only of church activities or service opportunities or altruistic endeavors. 
Maybe that's not true of you, but like I know that that's my default. If you grew up in the church, you might be prone to imagine good works as being primarily your extracurriculars after your nine to five, something extra above and beyond the ordinary. After all, as Paul says in the preceding verses, once we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, but now we're, once we were living selflessly, but now in Jesus we are living selflessly. And so now we can be the greatest volunteer force known to the world. I mean, that's the good works that we're predestined for, right? While loving our neighbor certainly means going out of our way, outside of the bounds of our nine to five, God's craftsmanship in forming our being, intricately weaving together the wondrous complexity of our being and the secret depths from which he creates us, was not so every volunteer position could be filled at the church or at our schools or even every shelter or pantry. Now, don't get me wrong. Helping others outside of normal routines is a good and necessary thing. And some will find that such a role is their thing. But it is not the pinnacle of God's crafting. It is not the thing for which you were created for. You were, as Genesis 2 tells us, placed within God's creation to take what God was working at and help it flourish. To work and keep His garden, which is not a task for a volunteer, but a partner. The good works for which you were shaped and by which you have been made to walk in with Jesus are not primarily the things you do after your 9 to 5, but within them. The amplest and most fertile soil from which to experience and participate in God's work is in the very place, the roles, responsibilities, and relationships which He, as He did in our, for our first parents, has placed you in, to work and to keep, to cultivate and care. That is why, as Sayer so boldly states, the only Christian work is good work well done. The only Christian work is good work well done. Or as Paul reminded the faith family of Thessalonica, those who he commended as an example to all believers, aspire to live quietly. Stop being strivers, but be ones at peace. That's what it means to live quietly. Not strivers, but ones who live at peace. And mind your own affairs. Be busy and attend to the routines and rhythms of your daily life. That's what it means to, remind, to mind your own affairs. And to work with your hands, living in a way that will commend the respective outsiders. That's what Paul charges the ones he says are the example to all believers, all of Macedonia. Living a whole and holy life is, is living from Sabbath, from a place of not striving, being at peace, into work, into the, the affairs that we've been given, the things that God has crafted us to be busy with and working into Sabbath and back again. Work is what we do, what we are made for, and it is where we get to live with God even as we rest with Him on days like today. But do we believe that? Do we actually believe that we are made to work? That the work that we do is actually meant to be a part of our being whole? I have a feeling that we would say yes and no. That we're... Some days, yes. Some ways, yes. And some days, no. And some ways, no. But if we're going to be ones who help each other walk whole and holy into, in rhythm with God, then we've got to be able to understand 
what work is really for. And to view work in a way that actually allows us to enter into the wholeness that God has for us. So here's what we're going to do. We're actually running a little ahead on time, which is great. We're going to get an opportunity to talk about work together. To talk about this idea of work as a, as a way of life. As a way of being whole. And again, like maybe it's kind of maybe we need to deconstruct some of our understandings of what work is. Maybe for some of us, work we have a very small box that work fits in. And again, it's the thing that we just get paid for. Or maybe it's the thing that we think of work as maybe a curse, because like work is cursed, right? There is part of the curse was that work would be hard. Not that not that work is actually a bad thing, but that the doing work would be difficult. We've all experienced that, right? And yet at the same time, just like Sabbath rest, our work came before the fall. Just like Sabbath rest, our call to, to work and to keep, to cultivate and to care, to participate with God in the making of good and very good within our little limited spheres was something that happened before at the start. And that, as we said earlier, it started again in Jesus continues again anew, and even more so, enhanced in Jesus. So what we're going to do is this, is we're going to get to have just a little discussion together. So on the big screen up top, we're just going to have Dorothy's quote, Dorothy Sayers' quote, just kind of as a reference. And then on this screen up here, so fancy, we have some discussion questions. So in just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And what I'd love for you to do is to break up into groups of three to four, four to five, whatever, just enough to where you can have a good conversation. And just talk through some of these things about work and rest, about what it looks like to work with God, what work is and what it's not. And then in a few moments, I'll come back together and I'll lead us kind of into how we're going to close our discussion time and then we'll end in worship together. Sound good? So... In light of all the things that we've talked about today, all the scriptures we've read and referenced, alluded to, what do you think about Dorothy Sayers saying that work should be a way of life in which the nature of humanity should find its proper exercise and delight and so fulfill itself to the glory of God? That in other words, you were made for work. You were made to work. What do you think about that? What do you think about that claim? What do you think about other claims we've made today? How do you look at and approach work? And then just answer the question. Take a few minutes to kind of dialogue through of do you actually experience work as a function of being whole? Do you experience work as the thing that it was created to be? A part of your whole life with God? Yes or no? Why or why not? And just give a chance to just kind of be open and honest with one another. Okay? Again, let me pray for us and then I'll let you chat. Father, we thank you. Yeah, we thank you that um, that as much as you called us to receive what you give us, as we did to begin our time together today, to receive Jesus' work for us, his life for us, his love for us, you have also, Father Lord, called us to participate. Call us to be a part of living. 
not merely ones who consume, but Father, Lord, who with you get to be a part of things becoming good and very good, even in the messiness of life that doesn't always seem good. And that we know is not what it will be and can be. Father, I just pray for these next few moments together. Your spirit would allow our hearts to be softened to one another. That you would, as Father, we have learned over the years together, um, that in your, in your knowing of us, Father, Lord, you would search us, examine our hearts, help us to see where we, um, where we, our Father, are seen and thinking of work only through its difficulties and dimensions that are not of yours. Help us to see what we fear, to see what we long for. Father, and help us to see what you have for us. Your spirit leading us into the way ancient and everlasting. Thank you for friends who will help us along the way, who will encourage us to live to be who you have made us to be. All this we pray with gratitude, with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.